first reading for today comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The next is from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. The word of the Lord. still Easter. It's still the season of resurrection. Christians said set aside one Sunday a year when we lift up the resurrection of Jesus Christ and really take pains to celebrate it, but resurrection is never a one Sunday thing for disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. After Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, where do we go from here? Do we just sit and wait until we die and go to heaven now? The disciples went to Galilee as Jesus instructed them, and there they get their, their marching orders from the Lord. Jesus tells them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Christ's charge to share the gospel, the message, the story, the news about him. And these words have fueled missions of churches for for centuries, ever since. Sometimes this is called the Great Commission. Maybe you've heard it called that. Um, that label doesn't come from the Bible. That label didn't come from Jesus. It actually came uh, in the early part of the last century when a, a popular Bible called the Schofield Bible was published and used this as a, kind of a subheading for these words. And so it came to be known, the Great Commission, and it stuck. Jesus commissioned his disciples and every disciple after him to go and teach people about him in order 
to make people disciples. The first people to see Jesus alive again, they went and they told. Sharing Christ with the world is the logical step after celebrating resurrection. But my spiritual hunch is that this can often be an intimidating thing for us, especially Christians of the Presbyterian persuasion. I mean, my Baptist and Pentecostal brothers and sisters, some of them, oh, they can bring it full throttle. They'll, they'll take you by the lapels, throw you in a corner, and give you all of it. But um, us, we're better at um, potlucks and uh, contemplative prayer. But please don't ask me to share my faith. Sharing our faith is also hard for us because it, it takes on a different meaning in light of being in LDS territory and some of the baggage that people associate with uh, LDS tactics of evangelism. The thought of actually having to approach someone and speak of Jesus can scare many of us to death. And I want to help us this morning take away some of that intimidation of answering Jesus' call to share our faith by helping us see some ways that we can live this great commission in a, in a very natural way, based on who we are and based on just our own contexts. We don't have to be Billy Graham. We don't have to go be a missionary in Libya. We don't have to go door to door in our neighborhoods, knocking on every door in order to go and to share our faith. Speaking of Christ, living for him is something we, we, we grow in, it's something we learn to do, but every disciple is called to do it, and every disciple can do it. But first, I want to break down this charge that comes from uh, Jesus, the risen Lord, because these are important words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. He has lived this life, he has died this death, and he has been raised. He has conquered life and death. No one else has done this. No, not even our best, wildest, amazing technologies have been a match for death. But Jesus was not held by death. Death could not hold him. Therefore, nothing is outside of his executive powers. Therefore, we are to go. He sends us. By the way, we go because of Jesus' authority. Note the word, therefore. We don't just go on our own. We go because he is the Lord. We go because Jesus has authority over the whole world. And that is the ground for our mission, for any mission in his name. Jesus' charge is not to stay. He doesn't say, well, okay, now just stay. It's go. We move out. And as we move out, we are to make disciples. Interesting, Jesus doesn't say go and evangelize. Interesting, he doesn't say go and make converts. Interesting, he doesn't say go and win souls. He says go, disciple. The noun, the term, the name disciple literally means a student, a follower, a learner. Our mission in this church follows Jesus' heart because our mission here is to invite people to experience Jesus Christ and to become his passionate followers. 
to disciple, to disciple takes patience. Uh, it's about building people in Christ. It's about building communities. It's slow cooking, if you would. It's, uh, it's working with people over a long period of time of teaching um, and knowing Jesus. Jesus is not looking for fans. He's not looking for flag wavers. He's not looking for warm bodies to fill church buildings. He wants disciples. So we make disciples and we teach. Jesus tells his disciples to go to all nations of the world to do this. Go to everyone of every ethnicity, of every background, of every language, of every religion, of every socioeconomic level, of every profession. He leaves out no one. He means all people. And then when someone becomes a disciple, we baptize them. We, when, when someone makes that commitment to Jesus, this is what we do, baptism. And baptism is more than just merely getting wet. It is more than just a religious ceremony. Baptism is a step of discipleship, and it's a way that God sends his grace into our lives. And we baptize in the name of, which is to say into the possession of, into the possession of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We baptize in the single name of, of the three-person to God. To become a Christian is to be drawn into relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not one, not two, all of them. And then we teach. We make disciples, we baptize, we teach them. We learn, we grow, we discover. That's why we have Sunday morning classes and Bible studies and youth groups and, and gatherings during the week and books and devotions and opportunities to learn and service trips. As a disciple of Jesus, I need to continually be taught how to do this. The reason for this teaching, the reason I need to learn to do this as a disciple is to, it says, obey everything. Jesus says, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Being in relationship with Jesus is more than just head knowledge. It is doing a life. We do the life of Jesus. We just don't pick and choose what works for us. We submit our lives under his authority and to obey everything that he has taught us. And as we do this process of making disciples, of going... He promises to be with us. I'm with you always. We aren't promised success at every encounter, but we are promised his presence. That's the game plan. That's the mission. This is what Jesus tells his people to do in light of his resurrection. A lot of churches can do a lot of different things, but this is essential. Well, that's fine for Phil, who's a pastor and a professional disciple, but I don't have a clue how to go or even where to go in the few times I have gotten the nerve to share my faith. People tell me where to go. This call from Jesus is for all of us. Every disciple is sent by Jesus to go and share him. 
Now, what stops us from doing that? What stops us from discipling? What stops us from teaching? I thought of some things. Here are some of the things I thought of. Sometimes it's because we don't think we know enough. Um, we, we assume it's all about information, and we don't have all the information. We don't speak because we don't have all the answers. What if someone asks us a question, and we don't have a clue about it, and we don't know how to respond? Or we don't share our faith because we're afraid of being ridiculed. No one likes to be put down. No one likes to be um, called out of touch. We don't like to be... Uh, insulted for our convictions. We don't like to be called gullible or unsophisticated. Or we don't share our faith because we don't think we can seal the deal. Well, we have a conversation about Christ and that person wasn't convinced. They didn't rush up and say, hey, I'd like to come to your church and I want to be baptized. We must have failed. Or the enemy stops us. The enemy doesn't want the love and the forgiveness of Christ promised, uh, given to people or proclaimed. He doesn't want the truth of hell and heaven, of judgment and mercy, of sin and forgiveness and grace known. He doesn't want to lose souls he preys upon. There's a battle going on. You know, even if you aren't a pastor, even if you're not a preacher, a missionary or an evangelist, you are still able to share in the commission this, this charge of Jesus. And here are some ways we can do that. Ten ways that I want to give us that we can do that. Number one, be yourself. You know, I think we imagine that sharing our faith means we have to be kind of boisterous and extroverted and go stand on the street corner somewhere and, and, and shout loudly to people about Jesus. And let's face it, some of us, just our personalities aren't suited for that. Your personality is your gift. You're made a certain way. Some people are going to be able to hold a conversation with others, maybe a, a whole room full of people about the essentials of the Christian faith. And some of us just, we're not wired that way. And um, our sharing is just going to take a different form. You might be able to articulate all the aspects of the gospel in a very intellectual way, in a very convicting way. Or you might be just the type of person who just quietly you're going to give a book to somebody else. Go and make disciples in the way that God has wired you, okay? Be yourself. Number two, be real. You may not have all the answers. No one has all the answers. And you know what? The questions are tough. The questions are big. You know, uh, what if they ask me why, if God is good, there's so much suffering in the world? Or, or what if they start getting into faith and science and all the issues regarding that? Oh, my gosh. Folks, I've read, I've thought. I've been in those things, and I don't have the answers for that. But I tell you what, people will probably be very appreciative if you say, you know, I, that's a great question. I struggle with that too, and I don't know. I can help you find the answer maybe, but I don't know either. Boy, I'm challenged by that. But then, but then, speak to what you do know, because you do know something. Speak about God's love. Speak about your personal experience of God, whatever that is, because you know what? That is unchallengeable. No one can tell you that's not your experience or that's not your reality. 
share where you have encountered God and where you have known him um, and, 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 and in the circumstances of your life. Number three, be respectful of the other person. Listen to what they're saying. Maybe, maybe they're grieving. Maybe they're struggling in life, and you need to share with them in that context. Maybe their interest is intellectual. Maybe it is those questions and those things they've got to work out in their mind. Maybe, maybe they're just spiritually curious, deeply spiritually hungry. Just be in relationship. We don't prepackage some presentation. We listen. We walk with people where they are as they are. We don't ram anything down anyone's throat. Number four, be consistent. Our lives need to be in line with the gospel that we speak. That doesn't mean we have to be perfect or flawless. In fact, being honest about our flaws is part of being real. Vulnerability can be a good witness of faith. But if we say we worship Jesus and then we're selfish or we're greedy or we're crude or we're mean or we're violent, uh, people will catch the disconnect. If we say Jesus Christ, people expect certain attitudes. They expect certain behaviors. They expect certain realities in our life, and rightly so. I mean, tell me you're a, tell me you're a mechanic. You better be able to fix my car. Tell me something about it. Tell me you're a chef. You better be able to speak authoritatively about food and, and know about that. We tell people that we are Christians, and we better be able to show that we have an active faith life, and we are active with a church, an, an active body of Christians, and, and we walk the talk, and we have evidence of that in our life. You know, people who proclaim Jesus and live another way, they, they do great harm to the message. We know that. But let me just flip that around. Just people who proclaim Jesus and show it in their lives. Oh, they bless the message, and they make it real, and they make it tangible. And people are attracted to it. Number five, pray for opportunities and pray for people. God will open doors. Might take time, but God will bring you to places. God will bring you to people that he is drawing to himself. And your, your, your praying might be part of something that he is doing in someone's life that you have no clue about. Okay, so pray. Number six, take small steps. We don't have to go halfway around the world and be a missionary. Invite someone to church. When was the last time you did that? Um, give someone a Bible. Give someone a book. Share something that you've read in the Bible, a thought or a, or a verse, and write it on a card to someone and say, you know, this just meant something to me. I want to share it with you, too. Uh, ask someone who's hurting if you can pray for them. Bring food to that neighbor and just say, we just wanted to show you God's love and just enjoy this. Teach our children. Teach our youth. There's some sharing to be done there, is there not? Number seven, be okay with no. By that I mean she may say no to your invitation to church. He may not be convinced and doesn't see it the same way as you after you have that conversation. Jesus didn't say we'd always be successful. We just invite, we just share, we just converse. The results are up to God. 
Number eight, take big steps. Maybe God will send you to another place, to another country, to another community. Maybe he's going to move you to a place where everything in your life changes. Be open enough for where he will send you. And if he says go, go. Number nine, trust the process. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts. It is the Holy Spirit who draws, who changes, who moves, who works in people's heart. We can't always see how that's happening. We might be one small part in a person's coming to Christ that won't actually come to fruition until years from now. We may think what we do is actually insignificant, but it's actually part of what is happening and the way God is preparing the soil of that person for fruit to take root and then to really grow. God uses all kinds of things to draw people to him. Okay, so trust the process. We don't always see it all. Usually we don't, as a matter of fact. Number 10. You just have to smell good. I'll bet you weren't expecting that, were you? Those of you who are writing these down. I'm not talking about your deodorant or your perfume. But did you hear those words in 2 Corinthians that we read? God uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. Paul uses aroma as an evangelistic reality and says we are to smell like Christ. And people will get a whiff of us and sense something in us. They will get a whiff of life and love and hope and grace of Jesus. Put a scented candle in a room and you don't need words. You walk in and you smell something, don't you? We may not smell great to everybody. Some people will react strongly against anything Jesus, but there are others and to them we will smell like life. You, we are the fragrance and the aroma of Christ to people. Because he is in your life, you give off his scent. You may be the aroma of him in your workplace, in your family, in your school, or who knows where else. And as we do this, Paul reminds us, we don't peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. Go. Sent from God. We don't manipulate people. We don't scare people. We don't do gimmicks to gain people's attention. We don't invite people over for dinner and say, we'd just like to spend some time with you and get to know you and then flick on the big screen and sit them down in front of a PowerPoint presentation of the six principles of spiritual transformation in Christ, we speak and we act with sincerity. And I think that's very important in an age like this of hype and spin and image. And sometimes it's churches who get a little gimmicky and put on the hype and the spin. 
And whatever we say or do, it needs to be done in sincerity. Most people are attracted to authenticity and to transparency. They just want openness. As we put into action Jesus' command to go and make disciples, to teach them what he has said, and to um, obey him, who knows the impact it's going to have? You just never know. This year, our session, our elders, uh, before every meeting, we meet once a month, and before every meeting, a different elder is leading us in devotions by sharing their story, sharing their story of faith. And this past Tuesday night was our session meeting, and one of our elders, uh, Laurie Wingy, who helped lead this morning. Laurie, it was her turn to share. And Laurie shared her story of how, uh, of being raised in an LDS home, of having a little bit of pushback and rebellion on that in young adulthood, and then losing her first husband to cancer. And she came to know Christ on an airplane through a newly married couple who sat by her and shared Jesus' love with her. And the couple ended up sitting with Laurie because the attendant moved Laurie's sister-in-law out of that seat next to her so that this couple could sit together. And it was hearing that there was a God who wildly loved her was the transforming thing and the thing that spoke to her on that airplane. Captured her heart. This week, as I was with Noel Reynolds' family, some of them are from San Diego. Uh, Noel Reynolds, if you don't know, a young woman in our church, went home to be with the Lord after a three-year battle with cancer this, this uh, over time. And, and this family from San Diego, some in-laws were sharing with me how they they're friends with a, some people. They're atheists. Um, but they had heard about Mel. They'd heard about her struggle. And, and they were very, they wanted to know how she was doing, how the family was doing. And, and uh, they've seen this family's faith through all of this. And they have been asking questions and asking about the Bible and other matters of faith because of this whole reality that this family has lived through. You just never know how someone or where someone is being impacted for Jesus Christ. And we don't need to be theologians, and we don't all need to be spiritual gurus or experts to go and make disciples. We just need to be open, available, and probably somewhat intentional. Because Jesus calls everyone who has turned their life over to him to go and disciple. No one gets off the hook. This isn't just for special Christians. And we have a wonderful message. We have a message of forgiveness, of God's love, of relationship with our Heavenly Father, of peace in times of suffering, of hope in times of struggle, of victory over death. Dorothy Day, the, the, who founded the Catholic Workers Movement, said, if I have achieved anything in life, she says, it is because I have not been embarrassed to talk about God. Where do you sense God wants you to go? To what person? What is your field of contact? What's your field of influence? Start right there. Because he is risen. 
and all authority in heaven and on earth and in your home and in Salt Lake City and in your company and in your circles has been given to him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, give us the faith, the courage, the devotion to go for you. We give ourselves to you to be a part of the disciple-making process that you want every one of us to be a part of. And we do it in your name.